What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook 'em up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Oh man, uh, Monday after Championship Sunday, two very compelling football games yesterday. Different styles of games. One was a bare knuckle brawl and a low scoring defensive struggle. One by the Kansas City Chiefs, the other a high scoring shootout that uh, swung multiple times momentum wise. The Lions dominated the first half, the Niners. Going a 27-0 spurt in the second half to take a 17-point uh, deficit and make it a 10-point a lead and then held on for a 34-31 win. Uh, really fun football games and a lot to dissect, obviously. The, uh, the, the bouquets for the winners and then the, uh, the autopsy for the losers of what went wrong for Dan Campbell's team and John Harbaugh's team. Uh, as we talk about it this morning, the Super Bowl is set. Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas will be a rematch of Super Bowl 54 which the uh, Chiefs and the 49ers, and so now we have two weeks to prepare for that. But between now and the Super Bowl, we've also got a lot of college basketball to talk about, uh, and we've got the Senior Bowl starting today. If you're paying attention online, the Senior Bowl game is coming up on Saturday. Um, at about three, I think it's on NFL Network on Saturday, uh, and you can check that out. But uh, you know, the, really the important part are the practices leading up to the Senior Bowl game, and uh, those start today. Um, in Mobile, Alabama, and this kind of tells you the trajectory of the Longhorns right now. Uh, Longhorns have five members of their team from this year at the Senior Bowl, and as the, the their their brand says at the Senior Bowl, the 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 draft starts here. <laughs> That's where really you start the draft process because every general manager and you know scouts and coaches from all over the NFL are there to watch these practices, see the best, go against the best, and you know line drills and coverage drills and things of that nature. So you can really you know, open some eyes and and Show some stuff, uh, you know, outside of the tape you've put on the field for three or, or on the field for three or four years. Uh, but the Longhorns have five players there: uh, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat up front, Jalen Ford, Christian Jones, and Jordan Whittington are all in Mobile, uh, and so they're tied for third for the third most players there. Uh, Michigan has eight members of the Wolverines there, and Georgia has seven, but Texas has five, and Texas would have had seven if Jade Barron and Alfred Collins had decided to move on to the NFL. They both decided to come back for another year at Texas, but they were both invited. So Texas could have had as many as seven there, which kind of tells you the overall talent improvement the Longhorns have made, and uh, not just in the acquisition realm, but also in the development realm because uh, the NFL wants to see these guys, right? They want to see, get up close with uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and uh, you know these, these players. And, and Rod mentioned that over the weekend they had the East-West Shrine practices, and J.T. Sanders was there along with Jonathan Brooks. Now, Jonathan Brooks was there as a non-participating injured player, but he was there to do some measurables and those kind of things. So, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and the staff, uh, kudos, uh, putting talent, Sunday talent on the field that moves forward. And we'll follow that process, obviously, between now and the draft in late April. Combine will come up at the end of this month and early into March. So uh, with that in mind, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline and uh, talk to a, a good friend of our show. He's also a colleague over at On Texas Football, the On Texas Football channel, um, and we, where we talk a lot of Texas football on the YouTube side. Uh, he is our man, C.J. Bo- Vogel Vogel, also from the Football Brainiacs. He joins us on the Vaqueros Hotline. CJ, how are you, man? Happy Monday. Yeah, happy Monday. A lot going on in the sports world. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. I'm ready to go. 
Ready to go. Uh, before we get some basketball and talk a little senior bowl and Longhorns, any your your over your your snapshot takeaways of what you saw yesterday with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey doing it again, Lamar Jackson again coming up small in a big spot, and of course that uh, classic from San Francisco last night. Yeah, I, I, my biggest takeaway is one. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, it feels inevitable. You know, you you give him what on paper is the worst, uh, you know, group of weapons he's had to deal with at Kansas City. And it just doesn't matter. Travis Kelsey came up big. Uh, I was surprised at how little Baltimore ran the football. You know, that was kind of their strength the entire season. And even in those conditions, it felt like it would have lent itself a little bit more to see, you know, the Ravens pound the ground a little bit more. And they just never really established it. I, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, heartbreak for Detroit. Nothing but heartbreak for that franchise. It was a great run, but to lose that game the way that they did in that second half. Oh, brutal. Brutal. Brutal is right. And, uh, CJ, you covered uh, both of these quarterbacks that are going to the Super Bowl when they were Big 12 quarterbacks, Iowa State for Brock Purdy, Texas Tech for Patrick Mahomes. You know, both at, at some levels are, are – well, Mahomes has already established his legacy at this point, his greatness. But uh, what, did, was this predictable for either of these quarterbacks when they were playing in the Big 12 back, in, back when you were covering them? You know, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I thought you knew Patrick Mahomes could piece together a pretty nice NFL career. He had all the physical tools specifically, uh, but, you know, he never had a season in, in, in Lubbock in which he finished uh, over 500. You know, he never had what I would say the sustained success on the field uh, that would have probably lent itself to, to a lot of folks thinking he would be a successful big-time NFL quarterback. That is something that is, is worth conver uh, a conversation about, you know, in terms of how much do you look into wins and losses when evaluating quarterbacks? I think it's unfair to do, and Patrick Mahomes is probably obviously the, the greatest example of that. Brock Purdy, he was a guy who kind of played himself out of being a first-round talent. You know, his after his sophomore season at Iowa State, he was in those early mock drafts of being, hey, you know, we could see this guy's name being called very early uh, next, next year, and he – played his way out of it, uh, his junior year played down into the third or fourth range, and obviously ended up being Mr. Irrelevant in the seventh round after a, a slow senior year as well. So it, quite a turnaround for both guys. It's amazing. They'll score off at the Super Bowl coming up. Matt Campbell and uh, Cliff Kingsbury going like, wow. I knew that was coming, huh? Uh, he is C.J. Fogle. He's just a college football insider, recruiting analyst, covering the uh, University of Texas for On Texas Football and uh, the Football Brainiacs, doing a great job. Uh, before we get into some hoops, I want to preview this basketball game tonight, but uh, I mentioned the five Longhorns that are in, in, in Mobile. I mean, the Longhorns, you know, there's, I've seen projections already of the Longhorns having you know, six players drafted in the first two rounds, if not the first two rounds, but maybe the first you know, 100 picks of this draft. Uh, this, is a, this is a lot of talent that is moving on from Texas, but it'll be fun to watch their progress here through the draft uh, process. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be the most exciting draft for a Texas program in Lord knows how long, maybe 20 years, 15 years since 09. This is really exciting. You're probably looking at the, the highest grouping of, of, of picks in quite a while. So six guys potentially in the top 100. If you add Jonathan Brooks, maybe Jalen Ford shocks everybody at the combine as well, has a great week uh, uh, at the All-Star Games too. So that would be huge. You can certainly use this as Steve, if you're Steve Sarkeesian and his staff as a, a building point to say, hey, you know, we can develop you now. That hasn't always been the case at Texas. And, you know, when the on-field success comes, good things happen as a result, and this is one of the benefits of winning a lot of football games is you get to start sending a lot of talent to the NFL, and that's something that 
will continually be used by this staff to recruit down in not only the portal, but the high school ranks as well. Yeah, it's interesting with uh, the Longhorns that are there. Tavondre Sweat and uh, Jalen Ford are both seen as maybe, you know, top 30, top 35 kind of players. I've seen uh, um, the Byron Murphy you know, projection is maybe even the top 20, 20 draft picks. I think there's one mock draft has him number 11 as maybe the number one defensive tackle off the board. Sweat, of course, just a space eater and a run flogger, but he's got great feet. Jalen Ford. Christian Jones is an interesting name because there are some that think maybe he's played his way into a – you know, day two kind of draft pick potentially, second, third, fourth round kind of thing for, for Christian Jones at right tackle and then Jordan Whittington, everyone's favorite Longhorn. be fun to watch these guys get after it up there at the Senior Bowl, uh, which gets going. And again, the game was on Saturday, but the practices of more import, and I'm sure there'll be coverage of those all over the place. Hey, CJ, um, uh, when you, can you give us some news from the Longhorns this weekend, I know they did not land uh, the cornerback uh, Jabbar Muhammad, right? Jabbar Muhammad was in the portal from Washington, and the Longhorns saw him in that national championship semifinal game, played a really good football game. But he is committed to Oregon over Alabama and Texas, uh, despite having a couple of cousins on this Longhorn roster. Any surprise there that Jabbar Muhammad ends up a duck? No, not necessarily. I, I think the family ties are something that Texas fans can look at and say, you know, it, it would make a lot of sense for him to come to his – home state of Texas, you know, returned back to, uh, you know, about three hours from where he grew up in South Dallas and, and obviously played with a, a couple guys that he has blood relation to. But it, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense for him to come to Texas. You know, he's a guy who's looking to hear his name and, and draft uh, conversations and circles next year. And what good is that going to do for him if he's not on the field in his last year as a college athlete? You know, Texas is going to offer the opportunity for him to come in compete for a starting spot. And obviously Texas likes to rotate their defensive backs pretty often. You know, we saw last year with, with Ryan Watts, Terrence Brooks, Malik Muhammad, uh, Gavin Holmes was in that mix as well. Well, right now we're looking at it where it looks like it was going to be Terrence Brooks and Malik Muhammad really taking that next step up into being the true, you know, two dominant cornerbacks that we expect them to be. Where did Jabbar fit in that? I, I think for Oregon, it was a pretty simple uh, pitch of a, of a recruitment. You know, come to Eugene and you can have one of your starting cornerback uh, spots right away. There won't be a, a competition. We can pencil you into that spot, uh, starting spot and it won't be a conversation. I think that was the biggest difference in uh, both recruiting uh, approaches from both schools and obviously the Ducks went out. No question about that. And uh, Jabbar Muhammad going to Oregon. Longhorns still feel pretty pretty comfortable with their corners. Uh, what did you make of the hire, uh, the, the reported hire late last week for the Longhorns filling their defensive line coach with Kenny Baker uh, from the Miami Dolphins? He only spent one year in the NFL but climbed the ladder. And as Rod talked about with us, that uh, you know to get to an NFL spot from smaller schools in a short amount of time the way he did just, just kind of tells you uh, what type of rising coach he is. What do you make of Steve Sarkeesian? Because, you know, hiring this guy, some would say the resume is kind of thin, but at the same time what he has done would tell you that Sark was, was you know, looking for, an exa- for a specific type of coach to come in and coach his defensive tackles. Yeah, I think it's a fair critique of the hiring. You know, you'd like to have seen a guy at a power five program who has been able to you know go out and recruit those big time blue chip guys and obviously send them into the nfl not necessarily what you've seen so far with the resident kenny baker but you have seen development you know he had three guys at ut chattanooga that received all conference uh, honors in 2021 uh, and then his, his best player uh, angelo M- uh, malone at western kentucky actually ended up winning the conference's the defensive player of the year so 
there has been signs of development each spot that he's been recently, and I think that's encouraging. Can he do that with the guys that he, you know, goes out and recruits now? That's the biggest question. How how easily is he going to be able to adapt to recruiting at and for a school like Texas? I think that's worth, you know, questioning. That year with the Dolphins, I think, really helped solidify and justify the hire. You know, it, it otherwise it'd be, you know, surely there's other options available for Sarkeesian at Texas than a guy who had just previous stops at Mercer, UT Chattanooga, and Western Kentucky. Well, that, that NFL stop certainly adds a little bit of a wrinkle. And anytime you can uh, uh, kind of pluck a, a, a prodigy from under Vic Fangio in the NFL, I, I'm for it. So I, I see that as a, a pretty strong addition to the Texas staff. And, you know, I, I really hope he's able to hit the ground running on the recruiting side of things because that's going to be the biggest uh, factor for which Texas is going to need to continue to recruit at a very high level uh, now heading into the SEC on that defensive line. It's going to be crucial to maintain a very high level of uh, impact there. No question about it. Uh, losing to Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy, uh, it, it's good to get Alfred Collins back. They also got the Arizona transfer coming in, some developing players. But, yeah, you've got to continue to add pieces uh, through that. And it does feel like he is a relentless worker and likes to recruit too, which is an important part of this for Steve Sarkeesian. He wants someone who loves to be out there and build relationships and recruit. Uh, Kenny Baker uh, seems to bring a lot of those things, checks a lot of boxes. So we'll see uh, where that goes. With that in mind, CJ, before we talk hoops, and I do want to talk Texas basketball, but I got some football questions to get through first. The, uh, the, the, early, the late signing window is next Wednesday, right? February the 7th. It's always the first Wednesday of the, of the second month. Uh, are the Longhorns in or working on anything from the high school ranks, or are they done as far as that goes for 2024? Now, Texas is all wrapped up. They've uh, completed their 2024 high school recruiting signings. Uh, in, in the first window, they obviously were waiting on Ryan Williams this past, uh, this past week to make a decision. He ended up at Alabama. Uh, no Will Davis, so Texas could not continue the pursuit of Alex Foster, who's committed to Baylor. So right now it looks like Texas is completely done. I don't expect that to change in the next week. Uh, they will be busy and active again later on in the portal uh, when that window reopens in April. But for now, I think Texas is completely done. It's on to 2025. All right, uh, there's some football because we always it never ends. Football season's year-round here on uh, on the horn on Hook'em Up. Hey, C.J. CJ Vogel is with <laughs> us. What about this game tonight? Before we talk Texas and, uh, and Houston, we'll, let's go back to Saturday. The game at BYU, the Longhorns had won back-to-back games over ranked teams, beat Baylor last Saturday, beat Oklahoma in Norman, and looked like they were trending. And then they got to BYU and ran into a buzzsaw, a BYU team that normally relies on three-point shooting but really attacked the Longhorns and uh, exposed Texas and their, their on-ball defense. They ended up shooting 64% from the field. Max Acemas had a tough day and an off day at, in Provo. Uh, what were your takeaways from what we saw Saturday afternoon in the mountains? Yeah, it was a tough one. You know, it was one where Texas had a little bit of momentum. You mentioned the two ranked wins uh, leading up to that trip to Provo. I, I, I didn't see a lot of adjustments. I, I thought that, you know, BYU was very quick to say, this is how we're going to score on you. And that seemingly continued the entire duration of the game. And Texas really didn't have an answer. There wasn't any attempt to go to a zone. There was an attempt to, you know, kind of short squeeze that paint area. I, everything that, was falling for BYU was in the paint or the mid-range. And, you know, credit to some of those BYU shooters because there were some tough shots that they made in the mid-range, but it was after they were able to get to their spot and be comfortable in a range in which they knew that they could be a a, a more efficient shooting. 
from that spot. So I'd like to see a little bit more, you know, uh, aggressive defense in, in the sense that, you know, things aren't working right here. Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's be quick to adjust and throw a new, uh, a new look at the opponents. Uh, I'd also like for tonight to be a, a, a game in which we see an identity formed for Texas. You know, you, you play Oklahoma on the road and you have one of the best defensive performances of your season just to come out and allow 64% shooting to BYU on the road in Provo. It, it didn't feel like there's been a consistent theme with this basketball team right now, and I think that's something that is, is certainly something that's working against the team, and it's as we've seen these struggles continue. No question about it. And uh, tonight you face a team that absolutely has an identity in uh, Kelvin Sampson's 18-2 and two Houston Cougars. Their two losses were their first two Big 12 games on the road uh, at Iowa State and at TCU, but they've uh, won all the rest of them, including a game on Saturday against K-State, after which Jerome Tang, the head coach of K-State, was quoted as saying that that's the best defensive team he may have ever seen <laughs> that they went up against against Houston. Uh, so they hang their hat on the defense. And you know, when I was watching the game against Baylor, excuse me, against BYU, CJ, on Saturday, and I thought uh, the announcers were doing a really good job talking about Texas. Um, Chris Batola, I believe, was doing the game, and he kept saying the Longhorns were soft at the rim, right? And you just mentioned, the third, 64%, guys would get in the lane and no one would, would close them off. Um, they were soft near the rim. You cannot play soft against Houston. Uh, I mean, they will devour you if you try to bring anything soft in their way tonight. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%. The physicality and the defensive presence of, of this Houston team is really impressive. That's, when you talk about having an identity to your team, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. That's what, that's what this Houston team is known for. Uh, they lead most of the uh, – they're uh, 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 top of the leaderboard in most of the meaningful statistical categories defensively. Uh, they're number one in the country in points allowed per game, uh, right over 51. So – uh, top 10 in, in turnovers force. It's really impressive what they're able to do. Uh, that's a, a, a true identity, and it's a tall task for the Longhorns this upcoming uh, evening. Yeah, they're a six-point underdog on their home floor, a home floor in which they beat Baylor. Um, but, man, when you say find an identity tonight, I mean, you're going to have to match the defensive uh, intensity. And to, to the Longhorns' credit, last uh, week in Norman, they held Oklahoma to 60 points. And, um, you know, we know what they followed that up with. But uh, they, they, can they play the defense? But my biggest concern in this game, CJ, and, and, uh, is the, the guard play. Because the one thing, when you see Houston, if you haven't seen them up close, I mean, they look like a football team. <laughs> I mean, they are so physical and so big. I mean, so built. Uh, they're sturdy. They're, I mean, every guy looks like he could down, down a football unit uniform and, and get out there and play and the Longhorns are smallish right they're not very big in the backcourt Max Asimus is a really good scorer but he's, he's small uh, Tyrese Hunter's not the biggest guy I mean they're gonna have a hard time matching up physically wise for for me for Houston I'll be interested to see how Rodney Terry and the staff try to attack that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, can they get into the into the paint, kind of play inside out? I would like to see that a little bit. They they, they wanted to feed Dylan DeSue against uh, BYU, but when BYU brought a second and a third guy over to deter him from the basket, you know, there was a lot of questions with where DeSue was going to go with the ball, 
was Texas going to sit back and fall into that trap of just hucking up threes like we've seen in a few games this season? That's kind of been an Achilles heel while also being a strength. It's been a weird deal because I feel like they start out games very strong in the first half. You know, they, they we saw it against Baylor at home. They couldn't miss. You know, they, they saw it a little bit against Oklahoma as well. Early on, I feel like Texas is shooting the ball very well. And then for whatever reason, as the second half progresses, it just doesn't continue. So if Texas is able to start by getting into the paint early, I think that lends itself to leading to more shooting opportunities in the second half, something that I think we'd like to see a little bit more consistently in terms of the making uh, of shots. So uh, I'm, I'm eager to see it. You know, how, how are they able to start is going to be very key uh, when this Houston team comes to town. Again, they're right atop the Big 12, so it's going to be a, just as important a game for them as it, it will be for Texas. No question about it. C.J. Vogel with us from on uh, on Texas football, of course, and uh, the football brainiacs covering the Longhorns. So me, um, you know, eighteen and two. They're twelve and zero at home, but the two losses they've taken, they're only two and two away from home this year. So you, you do have them on your home floor. Can they get the crowd involved? We saw that in the uh, Baylor game. That was big. And that was an eleven o'clock tip. This one tonight is eight o'clock. So a uh, good chance to get get revved up and get everybody fired up. But the Longhorns have to do things on the court to fire this crowd up. I think that's fair to say because uh, as a six point underdog, uh, pretty pretty large hill to climb hey let me ask you this cj from big 12 basketball how surprised are you at the start for texas tech i mean is there a way to put a number i mean they're now five and one atop the big 12 for grant mccaslin the first year head coach who came in from north texas they got a huge win at oklahoma this past saturday that's as big a surprise as i can find in the big 12 and maybe all around college football or college basketball yeah 100 percent. they added pop isaacs back to that group uh a couple of weeks ago, and it, by all means, he's been able to elevate this team to a, 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 a range in which I didn't think many expected to to occur. I thought, you know, coming into the season, we'd see Houston right atop the, the, the conference with Baylor, you know, kind of in the mix. Uh, BYU has been really impressive to me as well, uh, and so has TCU. So, you know, you talk about who who's going to be the, the, the big dogs and what is, you know, I, I think many would consider the toughest conference in the in the country. I thought that was who you would expect to see. Obviously, Kansas, I didn't even mention them. Adding Hunter Dickinson and a few other pieces this offseason, that was going to be the team that you would sit and expect to be up there with uh, Houston. But Texas Tech, BYU, TCU, making things very difficult. Obviously, Iowa State uh, been winning basketball games pretty diff- uh, pretty pretty easily as well. Iowa State's actually one of the teams that knocked off Houston earlier this year. So, uh, I mean, you could go on and on about the depth of this conference. And right now, Texas, it feels like it's just kind of treading water, trying to stay alive, trying to stay in the conversation uh, for this conference. It's, every win's going to help this team's resume. And, and right now, there's no easy ones left on the schedule. Yeah, that's right, and that's why tonight's so big. I mean, you look at the standings. Texas Tech's five and one. Houston and uh, Iowa State are five and two. So if Houston were able to come in here and get a win tonight, they'd get to six two and a win over Texas on the road. Texas, of course, sitting at three and four down there with the BYU and Oklahoma and Baylor. Excuse me, BYU, Oklahoma, and uh, Cincinnati. Uh, the surprise team is really Iowa State. You mentioned they beat this Houston squad, the Longhorns, to see tonight, and Kansas sitting there along with TCU at four and three. But uh, if the Longhorns could find a way to get the win, a win tonight at home would be huge for their conference standings. And also, it would have them going 3-1 and one in this stretch of matchups with ranked teams, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Houston, if you could win tonight. And then you know, the BYU game, not as impactful if you can go three out of four 
in that four-game stretch. But obviously, it's a huge if. Uh, they got to find a way tonight in a game that uh, matches up against the best defense in all of college basketball against this Longhorn team that sometimes struggles to find their exactly what they want to be offensively and certainly can struggle on the defensive end uh, as well. Uh, all right, CJ, good stuff, man. We appreciate that uh, on a Monday, jumping in, talking some Longhorn football, the Senior Bowl, and some hoops. Are you going to uh, attend this game tonight? Are you planning to be down at the Moody Center, or are you going to watch it like the rest of us? I'll be watching it like the rest of us. I'm I'm sticking at home tonight. Got some 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 good food uh, already uh, ready to be made, and I'm ready to to grab some chips and, and dip and sit on that couch and, and and watch a good game. Amen, brother. Amen. All right, man. Appreciate it. Good stuff. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. All right, there's C.J. Vogel uh, on Texas football, um, bringing it. Hey, Ty, are you, uh, in a, are you at all optimistic about tonight's matchup with the Houston Cougars? I know when they were playing Baylor a week ago Saturday, I was not real optimistic. And what do you know, they, they up and won that basketball game against a very good Baylor team. But this Houston team seems like a, a different group. What's, uh, what's your level of optimism for the Horns tonight? Um, I, I just cooked up a, a parlay for tonight. I'm including Houston Cougars money line. So that should tell you everything. I think that Texas might cover to keep it close, maybe at least in the first half. But I, I think the physicality that you mentioned that the Cougars have will um, eventually, you know, kind of push them past this, this Longhorns group. Yeah, I just you can you see this team, man. The, the, whoever the strength and conditioning guy for Houston is, they they don't miss weight day. I mean, they do not miss miss the gym. They are physical, they are tough, and they play with that exact mindset that Kelvin Sampson brings. And uh, but they have lost a couple times on the road in Big Twelve play. See if the Longhorns because the Longhorns can get going. I mean, they can shoot the basketball. They just got to to match that physicality, which is going to be a challenge. But you know what happened against BYU? You know there was a you know hard practice yesterday. Uh, you cannot allow a Big 12 team, any team, to shoot 64% from the floor, get that many open layups and dunks and not contest them. I'm sure they were challenged, and we'll see if they can rise up tonight, 8 o'clock. From the mood, we'll come back. When we do, we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain. We will also hear from Jim Harbaugh, because this pertains to Texas. Jim Harbaugh explaining why he decided to jump to the NFL, and we'll also tell you uh, why it pertains to Texas and uh, the football team next year. Details coming on. Hook them up with Ian Robday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, appreciate CJ Vogel, uh, E. Hogan, Rod Babers. Rod Babers had to run off to an appointment, so he will be back with us tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. for five hours of a Tuesday conversation. Ty Henderson and I will take it to the top of the hour. We're talking all things NFL Championship Sunday, the uh, championship games in the AFC and NFC. I was reading some quotes here from the Ravens on how, why they did not commit to the run yesterday. That was a question for a lot of people. Uh, when you look back on it, uh, the Baltimore Ravens in that AFC Championship game with Baltimore, how about this, tie? They handed, the ball, they handed the ball to running backs six times the whole game, six times. Three to Gus Edwards, three to Justice Hill. Um, you know, this is a team that – it almost feels like with Todd Monken and, and the, the, the conversations parallel with me with the Cowboys, right, that similarly to what the Cowboys did with Dak Prescott and building the Dak-friendly offense, the Texas Coast offense, with Mike McCarthy taking over play calling, um, you know, and Kellen Moore being jettisoned, um, you know, the, the Ravens have done a similar thing, right? They jettisoned Greg Roman. They let uh, Lamar Jackson get involved with, uh, very involved with who the offensive coordinator was going to be and what type of offense it would be, and they hired Todd Monken from Georgia. And obviously, just like Dak Prescott, during the regular season, the results were overwhelmingly good. 
Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to win the MVP. I mean, that's a regular season award. The votes are in right after week 17. Uh, he's going to win that award. Dak Prescott might very well finish second in that award. Uh, but both players, you know, did not come up in big spots in the postseason, which has been – that's why the changes were made offensively, right? That's why they tired Todd Monken and moved on from Greg Roman because the argument was Greg Roman, when we got to the playoffs, left it all on the Lamar Jackson and they didn't have enough weapons and these things. It's the same conversation. Does it sound familiar to you, Ty, with what we talk about with Dak Prescott? Uh, I don't think it's as bad. I, I... – I, I, I'm perplexed on why they didn't run the ball more yesterday. I know they've lost a few running backs this year, but Gus Edwards is definitely capable of getting you know ten to fifteen carries at least. So I I, I don't know. I, that confused me. What do you mean? Uh, well, yeah, six. Well, and they only ran the ball on first down three times the whole game. Which, and that, that's know, part I'm, of the. I, I realize they changed offense coordinators, but that's running the ball and being tough on the line of scrimmage on offense is kind of part of the Baltimore Ravens' identity. 100%. But, again, this is Todd Monken, right? And as Rod told us, they've gone to more of a, you know, an offense based in, in spread offense to get you know, Lamar Jackson uh, with weapons. Uh, but, yeah, in the biggest moments, much like Dak Prescott, in the biggest moment, this is what you do it for, right? It's not about 12 wins in the regular season or winning your division. Those are nice, but it's about performing in these moments. So what offense are you going to be most comfortable in? You know, both the Cowboys and the Ravens kind of went away from the power running game idea and put the game more in their quarterback's hands, and it didn't work, right? The results weren't there. I know the Cowboys' defense completely collapsed in that game too, but at the same time, I mean, before Dak Prescott got going, it was 27 to nothing. Uh, let's not forget that. And two of those interceptions that he threw, his two picks led to 14 of those points. So uh, he was a big part of the problems on how you dug that 27-point hole. In the Ravens' case, um, you know, it was – it was, it was a game that was there to be won. I mean, the Chiefs, as much as we, you know, applaud Patrick Mahomes, and we should, you know, they scored on their first two drives, and then they didn't score a touchdown again, and they didn't score at all in the second half. So the game was there to be won, unlike the Cowboys who had to dig out of a, you know, 30-point hole. Um, the Ravens were right there, and when they needed him most, it didn't feel like Lamar Jackson was able was going to rise to the occasion. And obviously, much like Dak with the interceptions in the first half, Lamar threw the inexcusable interception into triple coverage and their last best chance uh, to win that football game. Um, so to, to me, the narratives for both quarterbacks are very similar. We're at this point, until proven otherwise, they're, they're regular season quarterbacks. Uh, and when they rise up and have to play the best, which is what you're going to see in the playoffs year in, year out, you're going to see the best defenses, the best coaches, uh, the best opposition. You have to be able to rise above it. To this point in their careers, Dak Prescott and or Lamar Jackson have not been able to, and yesterday it was on full display. To your point about uh, not running the ball tie, and I think you're right, that's the, the question, right? And, and this is a – if you I mean, they do scouting. We all watch the games. The Chiefs have the best pass defense in pro football, right? I mean, their coverage is elite. Their, their, their secondary is the best. So why would your game plan be to run the ball six times and try to pass against the best, you know, pass defense in the AFC and not pound the rock with Gus Edwards and with your running backs? I don't get it. Uh, I, and I still don't get why the Cowboys have gone away from a power running game too, uh, even though their offensive line is pretty good. And, and I guess they, they both believe that their best way to win playoff games are through their quarterbacks. I would disagree with that. Uh, that would be, you know, you, you know, you look at San Francisco where Brock Purdy is, has got, you know, star players around him everywhere. It's about getting them to the stars. Um, but you still have to have your quarterback rise up when the biggest moments are there. And we saw Brock Purdy do it again in back-to-back -back weeks. That clutch gene, as we call it, Ty, it does not appear that Lamar Jackson and or Dak Prescott have it. 
I, I, I think Lamar Jackson is a far better player than Dak Prescott. I, I, Do you really? I mean, I, I mean, he won a playoff game. He, he seems to have more command over the offense than Dak does. I, I, I feel like, well, he's, I, and he's younger, and I, I don't know. I just have a, I have, a, I have a hard time believing Dak can get anything done in the playoffs at this point. And I, and I thought that going into this year, this year only confirmed that to me. I still, I still think Lamar Jackson has plenty of time to shift the narrative and, and, you know, win a Super Bowl eventually. I think he's that good of a quarterback and that, that, or he's, he can do more than Dak. He can run for 100 well, certainly yards. Certainly he can, and, and he did, but, uh, and he has. And he made, again, just like yesterday, he made, he made plays no one else can make, right? The pass to himself that gained 13 yards and almost went for more. The throw he made to Zay Flowers, buying time and, and you know, making that happen, that's, that's elite stuff. But, man, it's just not enough. And well, like, like you said, I think yesterday was more on the coaching staff and their game plan for the Ravens, the reason why they failed. I, with the Cowboys, you can't throw back-to-back interceptions and a pick six in the playoffs and expect to win a game. Well, and but again, they go back to the management and the coaches. The coaches have built offenses around the quarterback. But they're not uh, they the ones throwing the ball. I know. I understand that. But the, 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 the judgment is what I'm questioning of management and the coaching to say we should build our offense around this quarterback. Uh, that's what we should do. Uh, I, I think both come with limitations. I, I, I guess I don't totally – uh, I guess I do understand the allure of Lamar Jackson and his dual threat capabilities. But again, when you get up against Steve Spagnuolo and the best defenses, when you get up against the teams you have to beat to get to the Super Bowl, Lou Anarumo and Cincinnati and some of these guys, you, you've got to have more than just your quarterback. And the quarterback has to raise his level, but you cannot, I don't know, there's, okay. there's a shrinkage level that comes up, a, a, a come up small uh, uh, situation in these moments that Lamar Jackson and, and Dak Prescott both are, are you know, put on full display. Uh, to to give the coaches the benefit of the doubt here, when's the last time there's been a team that's gone to the Super Bowl that isn't the offense isn't built around the quarterback? Uh, you know, I mean, I obviously I mean, we like remove the Bears? Patrick Mahomes, like the Rex Roseman. Well, I, I can't think of I can't think of a, think of a team that doesn't around. have a star quarterback. Like, yeah, I know, but they play every team that's I've that's gone to the Super Bowl in the last five years plays their quarterback on offense. Well, yes, it's the most important position in sports. No one's debating that, right? right like Dar- the, ti- the Tennessee Titans were the number one seed, what, three years ago with Derrick Henry, you know, running their offense through him, and we saw how that worked out in the playoffs. It- Everything, I'm not saying don't run it through the quarterback. I'm saying you have to hand the ball to a running back more than six times in a football game. I agree. The Cowboys neglected their run game the whole year. Uh, you know, the 49ers run the football. They're the best running team. They're the best red zone team in pro football. Yes, they're, they're, you know, Brock Purdy is the, the straw that stirs it, but, man, they've got really good players, and they're committed to the run game. The, the Detroit Lions, same thing, right? They've got one of the best offensive lines. They went up and down the field with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. They still run the football, and they don't make it all about Jared Goff, right? They don't make it all about that player. He's got to be good, and he's got to make throws, but it feels like with the Tex Coast offense and Dak and what we saw this year, and Lamar Jackson, it's all built around that player. I don't know that that's why. I guess San Francisco cases. would probably be the, the the most recent example with Brock Purdy. Sure. When I think Detroit, I don't. I mean, I think Jared Goff's a really important cog to their offense, but it's not built through him, right? He's got to make great throws, but they got to run the ball. He's got to be off, off play action to be his most effective, which means you do have to run the football. Um, you know, there's only one Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there really is. There's only one guy who who you can you know rely on in those cases. Uh, but you know. I, again, it's it's a Dak and uh, and Lamar parallel that it's just you know people compare it to Dominique Wilkins, James Harden, uh, and other sports. Right, the names come up. You know, Clayton Kershaw in baseball, you know, great in the regular season, but just not going to get it done in the postseason. And that's the concerning part for the Cowboys and for the Ravens is that in in this playoffs, Brock Purdy 
has shown that he has that clutch gene. He may not be the, the talent level of those two players. He doesn't possess, you know, close to what Lamar Jackson has as far as, you know, speed and talent and all the things that come to being a quarterback. But in, in two games, despite being pretty average for a good majority of it, in two games now in the playoffs against the, the Rams and the, excuse me, the Packers and now the, the Detroit Lions, when it mattered most, he became the best player on his team. In that moment, both in both the Green Bay and the uh, the Detroit game for the for the fourth quarter and in that third quarter run, he elevated everybody around him and became their best player. Whether he was taking off and running for 48 yards or completing 80 percent of his passes, uh, finding the right man, making the right decision, getting the ball in the end zone. That was Brock Purdy Uh, in, in both cases with the Cowboys and with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott don't do that or they haven't done that in their careers. That's why Lamar Jackson is now 2-4 and four career in the postseason. Dak Prescott is 2-5 and five career in the postseason, and uh, neither have been to a Super Bowl to this point. Brock Purdy is now going because he elevated his play, and uh, it was on display yesterday. All right, good stuff, good conversations. We'll pick it up. We come back, we'll do some what's popping. Also let you hear from Jim Harbaugh on uh, his decision to leave his alma mater after winning the national championship and jump back into the NFL. He spoke with uh, the NFL group guys on CBS yesterday. He was there rooting on his brother and the Baltimore Ravens. We'll hear that coming back. Also, what's popping tonight in addition to the Longhorn basketball game? It's Hook Up with Ian Rodby. The Horn text line has moved. Join the conversation on the new Horn text line, 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that flight stocking. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Hook them up as we get to the uh, final segment of our Monday. Appreciate all the conversation, opinions, uh, messages as well. Thanks to C.J. Vogel also for jumping in. Rod Babers, of course, returns tomorrow. Ty Henderson there. This is how do you tie everything into Dak Prescott? Well, that would be like me trying to, to uh, tie you into everything that happens at your radio station. Well, listen, um, let me just say this. When you, everything ties into quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, that's not uh, – and that's, that's really what the, 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 the position is judged upon. And I'll read a quote uh, that I saw this morning from Ryan Clark. Ty, you know Ryan Clark from NFL uh, coverage on ESPN? Former Pittsburgh Steelers safety. Right? Former Steeler, you know, rising. He's got a great podcast. And he, he said it this morning, as good as it can be said. He said, what Brock Purdy did yesterday was separate himself from Tua, Dak, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins. The only thing that will echo in the eternity of football is what you do at this time of year. And that is absolutely the fact, right? If you want to be an NFL starting quarterback and you're going to get the big paycheck for it and, uh, you know, you know the position, especially with America's team, for crying out loud, is going to come with, you know, the, the, high, the high praise when you're successful. Much like Dak was praised by me and a lot of people throughout the year for, you know, his, his MVP caliber season in the regular season and 12 wins, a third straight 12-win season. All of those things are to be applauded. But as, as Ryan Clark said, the things you do at this time of the year are going to be what echo into eternity. And right now what echoes for Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson is coming up small. I mean, I mean it's, there are enough, there's enough body of evidence where Lamar Jackson has now played in six playoff games. Dak has played in seven, and they've only each won two times. Uh, and, you know, those are – that's – whether you like that or not, that's just the fact. Yes, there are a lot more factors playing into it for Dak Prescott, right? I mean, gosh, how many conversations we've had about Jerry Jones being the general manager in the last 25 years. I mean, that's a huge part of this and a huge component. Just like uh, at our radio station, the ownership, I mean, there's a, it all goes together. But at the end of the day, 
the quarterback's going to get the, 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 the praise and the blame. It just is, especially when you play as poorly as Lamar Jackson did yesterday and especially as you play as poorly as Dak Prescott played in the first half of their loss to the Packers. It's just going to come. And, you know, it's not just those two guys. I mean, Tua is in that conversation now, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins, as he mentioned. Uh, You're either, you know, one of those guys or you're one of those guys, which now Brock Purdy has elevated himself. And whether Jalen Hurts took a dip this past season – uh, and they're changing offensive coordinators. He's already taken his team to a Super Bowl and was really close to beating Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl last year. So he's got an it, it status that the others do not have. And that's, you know, whether that's fair or not, that's the name of the game in football. It's the most popular sport and TV show in our country. And those are the biggest characters. Those are the, the lead characters. And how they perform in these moments are what we remember and what we talk about. Uh, so I mean, don't act like it's, it's a surprise that we're talking about Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy, and Jared Goff this morning. Also, the coaches take a lot of spotlight, like Mike McCarthy and now Dan Campbell, for the decisions he made, and John Harbaugh for not having his team ready to play, it didn't feel like, and have a great game plan installed to go beat the Chiefs. So that's what we talk about on these Mondays. So and really the entire offseason, because all of the, uh, the entire offseason last year for the Cowboys was built around building an offense that, uh, you know, was Dak Prescott friendly, Dak friendly, Lamar Jackson friendly was the mantra out of Baltimore. And once again, both, even with the new offenses that were built, uh, did not perform to the Brock Purdy level when it became time to win a big playoff game. So those conversations will not end. Other conversations that won't end is, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh. I wanted to play this for you. This was interesting. Jim Harbaugh, of course, we know by to no surprise, of, to, 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 to the surprise of no one, I should say, uh, left the, his alma mater at Michigan after winning the national championship and accepted the job with the L.A. Chargers on Sunday ahead of the Ravens-Chiefs game. He visited with uh, Bill Cower and the CBS Today crew. Here's how this sounded of why he made the move from Michigan to L.A. It was tough. Uh, I was torn. My wife, kids, uh, I love Michigan, but I love the NFL too. And uh, there's no Lombardi trophy in, in college football. And yeah, I got so many sands left in the hourglass and I want, I want to take a crack at that. And there's, there's uh, nowhere better to do it than with the Los Angeles Chargers, Susie Spanos, Dean Spanos, Ed McGuire, John Spanos, uh, and, this, and this great quarterback. Oh, yeah. So have you talked to him? I have. I have. And uh, I met him. And Der- Derwin James, I mean, pros, pros, these guys, Keenan Allen. But uh, I was a little starstruck. Yeah, yeah. So, so, Justin. So, so, so maybe some, some of the uh, Chargers are out there have not talked to you or met with you yet. What's that first meeting going to be like with Jim Harbaugh? What's the culture you want to build in sh- with L.A.? I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to reference this right here. You know, uh, we work together, we win together, and it's worth it. I mean, the hard work, the sacrifice, the pressure. All of it. Why would somebody put themselves through that? Because the rewards are just so darn good. And uh, and you can see that today. And what a, what a football game we're going to have today. Hey, so you have any right, advice to John? There's Jim Harbaugh. Then they went and talked about the Ravens in the game that we all got to watch after that interview. But, uh, you know, the reasons we talked about, Jim Harbaugh just echoed. You know, he's 60 years old now. So the, uh, the, the sand in the hourglass and timing would say if you're going to make a run back to the NFL, now would be the time. You're, you're, you're leaving Michigan on top. You're helping to a point, essentially, or handoff. Uh, the job to you know your your assistant coach Sharon Moore, who he highly recommended. So it's similar to Bob Stoops handing it to Lincoln Riley, similar to Ryan Day taking it from from Urban Meyer. Keep the winning and the culture together, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, as for Michigan, or as for the LA Chargers, uh, you know for Justin Herbert uh, to get this gig and have this coach roll in. Remember when he took over the San Francisco 49ers tie back? What was it? 2011. 
there wasn't a huge expectation there. They kind of built it as a rebuilding year. They had Alex Smith as their quarterback, and they went 13-3 and that first year. They overachieved. And then, you know, Alex Smith handed it off to Colin Kaepernick, and they ended up in the Super Bowl by year three. I mean, this, uh, this guy can coach. Whatever we think of him and his personality and all the allegations, he, he elevates the play of his team. And they, they play, especially at quarterback. Uh, but then you know he's got a brand of football he plays. I'm excited to see or interested to see how the Chargers, who have been underwhelming, of course, in the last decade plus, um, how quickly they can rise in that very difficult AFC West. That'll be interesting. And, of course, the Longhorns play at Michigan September the 7th in Ann Arbor. We now know Sharon Moore will be the head coach and be a whole new look to the Michigan sidelines and team. They've got a ton of guys moving on to the NFL draft. Um, but Sharon Moore will be the head coach of the Longhorns. Go in there with more coaching continuity and we'll feel pretty good about their trip into Ann Arbor next September. Ty, good stuff. Appreciate it. What's your, what's your parlay tonight outside of uh, Cougars' money line? Uh, I like Duke minus three and a half against Virginia Tech as well. Duke is Duke. All right, some college hoops tonight. Big Monday hoops. As C.J. Vogel said earlier, load up the chips and dips and uh, get yourself some food ready. It's an 8 o'clock tip tonight, so be ready for a late start. But Longhorns and Cougars will be talking about it tomorrow and, of course, starting to preview Super Bowl 58. Have a wonderful Tuesday. Jim Rome next, then it's Rich Eisen, then it's the Sports Complex with Patrick and the crew.